Today on Skip the Queue, we speak to Tor and Christian Carver, the founders of Williams Den, a unique adventure attraction in East Yorkshire. We've created this place and this playscape. Use it as your back garden. Five years ago, Tor and Christian constructed a plan to create a visitor attraction that offered children and adults the freedom to roam and play. Five years thinking, head scratching, putting bits of paper all over the kitchen wall, writing ideas on, saying, yeah, no, maybe. The duo both grew up on farms and took inspiration from the time they spent endlessly exploring pastures, building dens and using their wild imaginations to entertain. Children today just don't have anything like that freedom. It allows you to grow as a person, as an individual. Since its opening in 2017, Williams Den has gained plenty of admirers and recognition. They were regional finalists in the Rural Business Awards North and winners in the remarkable East Yorkshire Tourism Awards and the RICS Awards, which showcase the most inspirational initiatives and developments in land, real estate, construction and infrastructure. You know your business better than anybody else and you know your vision. You understand where you want to start and where you want to go to. So trust your own instincts. Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast that celebrates professionals working in the visitor attraction sector. What do we mean by visitor attractions? Well, it's an umbrella term for a huge range of exciting organisations that are must-sees. Think museums, theme parks, zoos, farms, heritage sites, tour providers, escape rooms, and much, much more. They're tourist hotspots or much-loved local establishments that educate, engage, and excite the general public. Those who work in visitor attractions often pour their heart and soul into providing exceptional experiences for others. In our opinion, they don't get the recognition that they deserve for this. We want to change this. Each episode, we'll share the journeys of inspiring leaders. We'll celebrate their achievements and dig deeper into what really makes their attractions successful, both offline and digitally. Listen and be inspired as industry leaders share their innovative ideas, services and approaches. There's plenty of valuable information you can take away and put into action to create better experiences for your own guests. Your hosts for this podcast are myself, Kelly Molson and Paul Wright. We're the co-founders of Rubber Cheese, an award-winning digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for visitor attractions. Find out how we can create a better experience for you and your guests at rubbercheese.com. Search Skip the Queue on iTunes and Spotify to subscribe. You can find links to every episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast. We hope that you enjoy these interviews. And if there's anyone that you think that we should be talking to, please just send us a message. Tor and Christian, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. Welcome to Skip the Queue. Thank you very much. Thank you. What we'd really like to do is start right at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit more about your childhood and how that inspired you to create the den? Yes, it's, we, we both grew up on farms and we both had a had a history of being able to, we were of, a, of an age perhaps when we were allowed to play outside freely and be, be left to our own devices and to be... Um, more or less ushered out of the door at eight o'clock in the morning and say, there you go, there's your playscape, go and enjoy, go and experiment and go and uh, explore it. So we both went out and climbed trees, played in the mud, climbed on a, a pile of grain or straw stacks, things like that. So um, really, we we uh, we 
we're very lucky in that in that respect. So we had the the great outdoors at uh, on our doorstep, and we loved every moment of being outside and having that freedom to play. And that's really was a, was a bit of a sort of a starting point for what we wanted to sort of bring back to life and recreate here at Williams Den. I'm not sure. I always loved being outside. I'll be brutally honest. My mother outside <laughs> <laughs> saying, "Don't want to see you till lunchtime." Um, I always had cold feet. I was always cold. <laughs> I, I do remember in winter months. Um, but I'm one of four, and I had loads of cousins who lived very close by on farms, and spent a lot, an awful lot of time on my bike going to my grandparents farm or go and see my cousin Catherine actually on my bike we're always meeting up at the village shop for sweeties but the freedom like Christian says that we were given um at the age of eight I was cycling to my cousin seven miles from home and all I'd have to do was ring when I got there um but I would have been gone all day and I don't think anyone worried about it and children today just don't have anything like that freedom it allows you to grow as a as a person as an individual um so yes that's that's the kind of childhood i had it was sort of baking um building dens my brother was brilliant at trapping me in his prison in the wood um, <laughs> i have a big brother and a little brother and i spent a lot of time protecting the little brother big from big brother who was a beast sometimes he was a brute um but no, we had a lot, a lot of. It was all outdoors, all outdoors. And I think one of my my earliest memories is actually falling out of a tree and how much it hurt. And I think again, that's a that's a lesson in life that I learned about risk and if you you know, you could say risk management and also decision making and and what is what is safe, what's not safe, and you know nowadays, unfortunately, we're, uh, we're every every parents sort of second and third word is sort of be careful and you know we nowadays we were not allowed to take that risk and and to go out and learn for ourselves as parents we overlook and oversee everything and we're as guilty as as the next parent for being overly protective of our son aren't we i'm forever being told oh for goodness sake mum i'm <laughs> yeah. 10 now <laughs> <laughs> So, so was the essence of, of William's Den essentially about adventure and creating somewhere that, that children just had that freedom to go off and make those mistakes and have those adventures? Yeah. Without a doubt. Yes, without a doubt, absolutely. I mean, the, trying to create something that that we believe is, is out there anyway, uh, it's just that people don't have access to it. Um, and so we wanted to create an, you know, again a, a visitor attraction that was that was uh, in keeping with what we we thought was right and what way where we thought people could really enjoy themselves but actually there's a lot of sort of uh, learning going on at the same time without them really realizing it our generation were probably the last generation of kids to be given so much freedom and i think there were probably some pretty serious accidents children experienced in public playgrounds in the 70s and early 80s and as a result health and safety really cracked down on it quite rightly and schools became more uh, risk averse um, and there's nothing more disappointing than seeing 30 children getting off a bus and they're all wearing high-vis jackets when they come into William's Den because that's the world we live in and that's the world they live in. They go on, on a trip somewhere and they've all got to be seen from space. Um, 
And that actually, all it does is inhibit them and dampen the experience somewhat because they're not allowed to venture more than three metres from the teacher. It's the same at school. I'm sure it has a lot to do with insurance claims over over the years. Um, So schools are now terrified of doing anything that is slightly risky or slightly more challenging for children. And it's just not good for them. In, in the long run, it's not good for generations and generations of children. Although we are, we are um, the, fortunately, one of the senior members of the East Riding Education Organisation, call it what you will, is uh, he's very supportive of us because he sees the value in the sort of freedom to play and what we offer at Williamsden. And he's obviously another generation as well, shall we say. So he recognises that children are not having that access and that option to, to learn as they perhaps should learn. Absolutely. And I guess for for the visitor attraction, it, it's a really fine line between letting letting children have that freedom, but also being overly cautious of accidents that they may have as well so I don't know that must be quite challenging for you it 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 is but I equally you know we we don't supervise anything as such you know it's down to the parents to supervise their own children so then they they can make the decision as to whether they sit in the corner and let them go off playing in our sort of three acres outside or our huge indoor den area so they make that choice and some wish to play with them and some some don't and but we do encourage everybody to play together because it's all about you know family time and that that is invaluable and parents teach children life skills through play and so that's you know that's what we're all about it's all about family family time family engagement and you know children being with their parents and learning from them let's take a little step back because I'd like to understand how this decision was made that this was what you were going to do what, what was your backgrounds before William's den mine was very much farming and sort of a, a, a formal education in farming and a, and a agricultural college and then actually I went into insurance bizarrely enough um, and all of, and dealing with insurance claims very handy things, very handy <laughs> things like that for about 10 years so um yeah, another another skill set was was uh, was born there, but um, but I always had an interest and still had an involvement with 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 the farm and with the rest of the the estate that includes the woodland and property and so on that we have. And actually, the the holiday cottages that we started that was another acorn, if you like, for starting this idea because we realised that we we were sending people a bit further afield because they were saying, where do we go? What do we do when we come to stay with you? And we were saying, well, you go to the coast or you go to Hull or you go to York or um, actually there was, wasn't anywhere on our doorstep of a, of a, of a, of a suitable standard or quality for, for visitor attractions. And we thought, you know, maybe there's a, an opportunity here. And I was always very keen to give people more access to the countryside and to the farm and to, if you like, show them and show off what we've got, what a what a beautiful area we're in, and that was all part of it as well, really. Yeah, I come from obviously a farming family, um, but I had actually ended up being a TV producer and director, and I absolutely loved it. I have also done some um, film direction and dipped my toe in the feature film. Well, not well. That's not quite true. I started doing short films. Um, but I, we, when I met Christian, actually, I was thinking of going to America to really go for it. Uh, but then, obviously, that that stopped me in my tracks, and <laughs> I decided to, to stay. 
in East Yorkshire. I am from East Yorkshire, by the way, just down the road, but I'd never met him before. I disappeared off down south and abroad and then came back. You know, it's all a bit random. But I think one of the catalysts for us was actually having William because I stopped working in in the TV business then because I didn't want to travel so much. And it was when his friends started coming to play that we realised, gosh, he is so fortunate in this day and age because he does have access to the stream in the garden. We're very lucky we've got a chalk stream that runs through our village. Um, he has woodland at the edge of the garden, fields to run and, you know, scream and jump about in and muck about with his friends. And it's almost like going back in time if you, if you come to our house. And we were watching how his friends would react and they didn't necessarily live on farms. And they were absolutely loving it, you know, soaking wet, covered in mud, filthy from top to bottom, but they'd had the best day ever. And so it sort of helped us um, formulate ideas, um, didn't it? It was sort mm. of, it was definitely, there were two or three days when friends came over and, and it just, we thought, right, this is, this could, we could be onto something here because it's actually, it's not complicated. What we're trying to do is strip it all back we know as family ourselves that when you go for a day out, you're almost expecting, um, oh, I'm trying to think what, what's the way of describing it. When you go for a day out today, you're expecting the big wow to be hit with this, you know, fancy ride or this really amazing thrill. Um, but it's actually, it's a very one-dimensional experience. There's no imagination. You, you, you go, you open a door, you sit in a carriage, you get strapped in and off you go around, you know, a big dipper or something. But what we were trying to do was strip that all back to actually, this is nature. Connect with nature around you. A lot of children don't have a clue and their parents don't because they're, you know, younger than us. And in their generation, they weren't allowed out as much and they didn't get to learn about how to grow your own carrots and potatoes in the garden. All of that was involved in how we came up with Williams. Yeah, and even just the simple things like watching, what if you watch children with... I know feathers, sticks, and stones, and a bit of water, and a cardboard box. You'd be amazed how much fun they can they can have, and how much interaction, and you know, just the, the simple things, the creativity, the imagination, the, the, all the fun that goes with it. Something that is, you know, just some some simple materials, and and uh, like Tor says, we we're sort of almost brainwashed into thinking we have to go somewhere that's sort of full of technology and bright lights and shiny things you know when actually there's a lot of stuff in our own gardens or our own sheds that that can do and more more than adequately do i can remember there was one day when william was in the yard and there was a crisp packet that had flowed floated off the street i think into the yard and he chased this crisp packet one it was obviously a warmish day but there were different air what do you call it, air pockets? And um, this, this crisp bag went all over the yard. And he must have been out there an hour and a half just chasing this thing around. And it's that he was he was obviously um, enjoying every minute of it, but it, it didn't require anything complicated or expensive. I love that. I love that idea of it being completely stripped back and you being able to play and enjoy and have fun with just those simple things that are so easy at hand for you there. Yes, and it is a bit, you know, we are, you know, have stripped, stripped it back to nature, if you like. And there's just so much evidence as well today that getting outside and being outside um, and 
being at, I know it's, it sounds uh, a bit naff, but being at one with nature is so good for, it's not just good for adults, it's it's so good for children. And the, the, the idea that so many children have anxiety issues and um, all these pressures that we certainly didn't feel when we were growing up. And thank goodness we were allowed a, an innocent childhood. But that plays a part here and it's it's not it wasn't our intention necessarily and we didn't want to be preachy and we never ever want to be preachy about it it's almost like we've created this place and this playscape and if you live in a flat five minutes away use it as your back garden don't worry about not having your own back garden come here and and get out there and use it to your heart's content and we're always trying to think of something new but simple that we can add that will just improve a family's experience here so uh, how do you come up with the ideas for williams then and then how do you decide on which one to go with well we we spent about probably about five years doing (laughs) thinking head scratching putting putting um bits of paper all over the kitchen wall writing ideas on saying yeah no maybe uh and uh, and really (laughs) We did research, research, and more research, and we we travelled all over the UK. We went to Europe, went to Germany, went to Holland, even went to America, you know, just to see how the best of the best do it and just to sort of get some ideas and just to to further our knowledge because we obviously neither of us come from a visitor attraction world, so we we were wanting to to do as much background work as possible to to ensure that we got got it as near as right as possible when we we got the design process and... uh, and then open the doors. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of research, and, and as I say, about five years before we actually put in for planning. Well, that's amazing. It just shows the research really does help, though, doesn't it? It does, and also, also, you know, engaging or, or um, working with experts, play experts, designers, and so on and so forth. You know, picking the right people. Um, you know, consultants are. <laughs> are expensive but you know if you get the right ones then um you know you can make a success of it so or help make more of a success of it really so um when you first started out what were the main challenges you you kind of faced uh we had a lot of infrastructure challenges really because we are because williams den is located on a remote farmstead uh, we are outside of the village, so we had to improve our access. The, the farm access wasn't wasn't didn't comply with highways, regs, so di- distances and so on for, for visibility. So we had to put a new entrance road. We had to put in three phase electricity because uh, obviously we didn't have enough power here. We had to uh, put in our own waste plant for for human waste because we're not on mainstream. We had to Im- improve the connectivity in terms of Wi-Fi, so we had to to get fibre connected up from the village. Um, oh, wow. That's never easy. No, quite. <laughs> all the typical. <laughs> oh yes, we had. We didn't have a. We didn't have a sufficient pressure water pressure, so we had to put in a new connection, uh, and then we also had to put in a, a great big forty-five thousand liter tank for for uh, to satisfy the the fire officer because so we had because uh, we didn't have enough water pressure for a hydrant in case of a the dreaded emergency, so uh, we've got a big tank for the fire brigade to tap into should should it be needed and hopefully never will be needed but it, it's there so that was a, a big investment as well in its own right so yes a lot of infrastructure challenges which um you know if we were on an industrial estate we wouldn't have had but so a big big uh, big additional cost 
how long did that take to get set up? Uh, well, it was all part of the build, really, but obviously it, 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 um, it did obviously extend the, the build time. The, the idea was that we, we started in sort of May, June 16 with a view to open in uh, Easter 17, but unfortunately the main contractor who was doing the, the, the main build element of it went into administration in uh, January 2017, so that put us right back and we didn't actually open until July 2017. Gosh, that must have been a huge disappointment at the time. It was because we hoped to we hoped to open at Easter or just before Easter, have a bit of a soft opening, then open, have a have a mad sort of two or three weeks over the Easter period, learn from that, move on, hit sort of the May holiday period, and um, do well then, and then learn again, move on, and then go for the summer. But we opened just before the main summer holidays in 2017, and then we had sort of three months of absolute madness and 50,000 visitors later, and it was sort of like, whoa, what's happening? Um, wow, and- nothing like jumping in at the deep end with two feet. Absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that expression is well used, but it was certainly, certainly applied to us. <laughs> Another challenge was finding the right team. We're in a very uh, sparse area. Our population's a bit thin on the ground and there aren't too many visitor attractions. So finding people who... Um, had any experience was actually quite difficult for us to open up and because of the difficulties with the, the contractors major hiccup that also didn't give us it didn't help us with knowing when we were going to open so that was that was quite a, a challenge it was it was but it's you know we've been we've been very lucky with um with with our team and we've got some wonderful local people that mm-hmm. work for us and you know we're, we're very proud that we we do employ a lot of a lot of a lot of people within a sort of like a fifteen mile radius, but uh, and a, and a, but certainly a lot lots of them are a lot less than that, as in uh, very local villages. So that's been you know hugely rewarding for us. What do you uh, look for in people when you're hiring? Uh, got a bit fun, <laughs> personality and, and and fun. It's all about customer service, and we are a fun factory, really. We are. We, yeah. have, we set out wanting to be the kind of employers we would have liked to work for over the years and I think you don't really know until you start employing people what it is they need from you as a as a, as a boss um, we're very much about trying to nurture um, the younger members of the team ensure that they're given access to training um, I mean I look back at my own life and I think I don't think anybody ever invested one pound in training for me. <laughs> Everything I ever did was on the job. You know, I learned as I went along. But sometimes it would have been really helpful if I'd had two day course on such and such. Uh, it never happened for me. But we are really keen to ensure that they're constantly being um, sort of topped up, as it were, especially on the customer service and delivery front. Because if you've got an eighteen year old who comes to work for you, they might not have done so much before they came they may have been babysitting or um but don't have an awful lot of work experience there's an awful lot to learn as an individual and it's about little signs and nuances and understanding the customer's needs you know you don't know anything about being a mother or having having um three kids that are having a tough day or had a bad start to the day and you know the way that you welcome a family who have probably had a really you know fairly unpleasant journey for all kinds of reasons someone's been sick in the car or they you know mum and dad have had a row as they're coming or something's gone wrong and actually what they need is from our team is pure joy 
pleasure, sunshine as soon as they get here. And they that's what they need, you know, for us. It's it's really important that we help get every single team member to a point where they understand that. And I think, yeah, and I think it's important that we, you know, we, uh, there's a big difference between uh, an, av- an average and an exceptional visitor experience. Yes. And, and going, going back to the very beginning, we um, uh, tore through her VHA, that's Visit Holland East Riding Association with the board there. She she came across a chap called uh, John Lennon, who's from the Moffat Centre in Scotland. Yeah. We commissioned him to set up and deliver something that we call Kids First. So that's K as in kindness to all, interest to everyone, desire to help and service with a big smile. So that's what that's what we're all about, really. Oh, that's lovely. That's, that's great. Really that's lovely. really good. And, and I suppose it's that something you always talking to your um, employees about, making sure they they stand by that. Yes, and we try we try to every now and again have a bit of a get together and just to sort of reinforce that. And uh, we've had one or two other people come in and help help train and just get the message across to the new team members because we have a lot of people who are a lot of youngsters who come to us just for holidays and half terms and weekend work so you know yes it's quite transient they need to be brought up to speed and that needs to be done on a fairly regular basis but we are you know we have had some some excellent feedback and um you know a recent survey again reinforced how how well they're doing with that so yeah all very positive Let's talk a little bit about sustainability because this is something that is that runs through the core of Williams Den. Everything there is has been built to be sustainable or reused in some way. Was that, I mean, essentially, was that what you wanted from the start, or did that kind of grow organically? Well, well, we 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 initially um, initially had talks with a with an architect, and they very much like to use sustainable materials in, in everything that they do and get involved with and and design stroke build. Uh, and we even we even thought about having a, a most enormous straw bale building for the indoor den but we we got slightly cold feet about that and there were a few sort of construction issues and and other concerns and we actually decided not to do that but from then on we did we did look at and and our architect proposed various materials for the build that we that we did use and actually it's all paid off because we've got anything from um the hemp blocks in the walls wood fiber insulation in the walls we have uh, recycled glass products both under the floors and again in the walls as insulation blocks we have uh, solar panels on the roof we have a rainwater harvest system so we take all the water off the roof and use that for the loos and actually worked out the other day that we since we've opened we've um, we've recycled something like 2.1 million litres of water through our loos. So that is a really great stat. And then things like something called uh, wood wool boards that are on the ceilings and on the walls in a lot of places, and they are made of um, basically shredded wood, which are byproducts from the timber industry, otherwise waste products. And they've been made into 20 mil panels, and they are not only lovely to look at, but they are excellent acoustically so they absorb a lot of sound um they are waterproof frostproof all those sort of things fireproof importantly um but they they have a lovely look and a lot of people remark on them and actually the, one of the best things is they do they do absorb sound fantastically well so in the indoor den we don't have that typically echoey noisy 
sound when ch- lots of children are playing, which parents appreciate enormously. But I think when we, um, when we embarked on the project, um, in this day and age, you've really got to have a very good reason for not employing um, green values or going down the green the greener route. I don't think we'd have been very happy if it was all bre- concrete breeze blocks and we hadn't considered anything green at all. I think it helped enormously having the architects on board who could explain the values of these products. Of course, you're always on a budget. So we were having to balance, well, if we do that, is there a cheap, it was always going to be a bit more expensive. Nothing seemed any cheaper. Um, but if we do that, you know, if we, we opt to go for, say, the wool boards, then what do we do elsewhere? Can we save a bit of money elsewhere? And it was definitely, ooh, right, so that's really going to hit us there. But where can we shave some money off somewhere else? But actually, the building does does work very efficiently. And the other things that we have, we have a biomass boiler, so wood, wood chip goes through that. Ultimately, the efficiency of the building is is excellent. And because we've got a, a combination of new and old, we've got some old old barns, the old um, sort of brick and stone barns that have been converted into our kitchen table restaurant and, and the kitchen area as well. And that merged with the new build. Uh, and we did actually get get an A rating for energy efficiency, which is uh, exceptional considering the, the mix of old build, which is hard to insulate, hard to make efficient, hard to make sure there are no gaps and no air escaping, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, we've, um, we, we, we ticked a lot of boxes and we did one of the, one of the many awards that we won did relate to, to the build, to the architectural side and the build side. So that was, that was very pleasing. So do you still have a working farm there or was it just you completely converted it to Williams then? Well, there, there were some uh, some grain stores and other other buildings here. Yes. So that obviously doesn't exist anymore. So we uh, we're still a working farm insofar as there's, a, there's an arable operation. So there's there's lots of crops being grown around Williams Den. So people can see those in the distance, which, again, gives them that sort of connection to the countryside. Uh, and we've got nearby grass fields that we've have. We've got some sheep grazing. So the, it's very much a rural feel. But the farming is done by by contractors for us, so uh, not so much hands on anymore. It's done by others. But uh, but yes, we we do still farm. Do you think that now that we're in a world where we are making better choices, more ethical choices, do you think that the sustainability side of, of, of Williams Den helps people to choose you uh, over other visitor attractions? Well, I certainly think it helps, and we're probably not being strategic enough about it uh, as as in not using it enough to uh, promote Williams Den it can only make whoever the adult is is deciding to come here feel a little bit better about themselves Um, because I certainly think as uh, when I go places if I'm I can only go on how I feel, but it, it makes you feel good when you take the decision to spend your money in a place that is actually helping to protect the environment in whatever small way it is. It can't have a negative impact. You know, clearly our our play equipment is all is all wood, apart from the odd sort of aluminium slide. But they, essentially, all all our play equipment is is not is not plastic, not metal. It's all wood, and some of it's our own timber from our own woodland. That is clearly a, a very sustainable um, build, even the play. But even you know, as well as that, we don't have plastic straws anymore. We use napkins that are hundred percent compostable. We have water in cans. Uh, those sort of things we're looking to do 
do be more mindful of and to do 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 more of or have less impact on the environment so we're all we've always got a, a, an eye on it yes i just want to go back to something you said earlier uh, is it is it correct that you had fifty thousand visitors when you opened <laughs> In our in our <laughs> yeah. in our first three months in July and <laughs> September, yes, and we're now at about two hundred and fifteen thousand visitors. When they, and that, actually, this year, our first our first four months, uh, we in January, February, March, April, we uh, we are fifty five percent up on last year. Up on last year, wow. in terms of visitor numbers. That's incredible. Well done. So, thank you. Thank you. So, but it's uh, it's largely in a lot of it. Thankfully, is is down to recommendation and word of mouth, which uh, there's there's no better way of uh, getting yourself out there and known. But uh, you know, if people are going away saying they've had a fab time, you must go. Is uh, is a great pat on the back for us and for our staff. Well, that was um, that's got me my question actually. How did you how do you think you got fifty thousand visitors so early on? We did get a lot of traction in the build up. And that it, that was um, definitely down to uh, the people who were doing our marketing. They helped considerably uh, with the with the plan for that, and we we did invest with that, and it certainly paid off because there was a, a an eager anticipation for us to open, and I think perhaps even the, the delay in opening possibly even helped in a in a bizarre sort of way. Yes, I think we were uh, offered the opportunity to sort of try and do a fly on the wall documentary or I don't know what you want to call it you know shall we go out to production companies tour Christian <laughs> and see if we can sell this you know get you out there um before you've even laid you know a brick and um and of course coming from the background I come from I said no way <laughs> <laughs> probably was a good thing given that um the contractor failed on us at, um near the end because there was an awful lot of um swearing went on at that point <laughs> I think um, I think we had very good, very good storytelling as we were building to open. You know, the the team, uh, Rach and the team were very good at. They totally, totally got what we were trying to do, without a doubt. Um, I think that and. Possibly the fact that there isn't so much in the East Riding. Um, it was a locally quite a, a, a nice story. And we got, we definitely had a lot of well wishes. You know, we'd consulted before we started, hadn't we? We'd consulted with the village. We wanted our village, uh, North Cave, to really feel that they were a part of this and that there is, they're really important. There's a school in North Cave. And we've always felt we want this school to feel like Williams Den is theirs because, we, you know, anything we can do for them, we want to be able to do. We want to support them in any anything that they do. So we had a load of children come around when we were building, didn't we? And mm. it was fantastic. Their faces and their reaction was yeah. awesome. So I think there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of goodwill, wasn't there? Before we opened. There was, um, there was, there was. And, you know, I mean, you know, Facebook is, is massively important for us and we're now, I think just under 20,000 followers. So, you know, that is, uh, you know, the, the growth on that is, is significant. I haven't got the stats, unfortunately, but, um, but that, that's a very much on an upward curve still. So that's been, um, yeah, terrific. Do you spend a lot of your marketing budget on Facebook? Well, it's actually re- relatively cheap, isn't it, mm-hmm. compared to everything else? So um, I would say we don't we don't spend much at all compared to everything else. <laughs> <laughs> For me particularly, one area that I was very, very keen on getting right was um, – 
the look and feel of of the den of Williams Den our branding um logos our color schemes there was no stone left unturned but we we had a brilliant agency uh, in wrapped and they because they got us they and they totally understood me um I, they knew instantly whether I'd like something or not and whether I felt it was right for us and we still have the same conversations we're very tight on 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 even down to the language we use you know we do we have a much better understanding of what our our voices our tone of voices and whether or not would we say it like that no I don't think we would that's not the way we would say things we're not braggarts um we have had to Christian and I have had to get over well me particularly shouting about who we are and what we do because I'm we naturally we didn't you know you don't boast or brag so that's been something we've found I found particularly difficult whether it's on social media or giving an interview or writing an article it still isn't so natural to me but um, I understand that if we don't do it nobody's going to know about us so we the, the whole design so where I'm coming from is design was very very key for us and for what we do um, whether it was the green aspects or sustainable aspects or would a children like um, we've designed some characters and we've got an illustrator called Tina who works for us and we always wanted a William character and William and his friends but it took me oh weeks to work with Tina to actually come up with no no characters wouldn't look like William's Den we're going old school you know and and Tina got me totally but um so every little detail we care about we don't let anybody run off um without us saying no or yes we've always got the final say and I think that's key when you it's your business it's your baby it's um your dream your vision We've also learned that you can't let go, especially in the early days, you know, when two years old, ultimately the buck stops with us. We're responsible for our team. We never want to leave them in the lurch or worried that they're doing or saying the wrong thing. We're we're there, we're backing them up all the time and we're teaching them this is the way Williams Denway. That's really lovely to hear. It sounds like you have got a brilliant team around you and a really good relationship with the people that you work with, which is brilliant. I just want to go back to something that you said earlier that was really lovely. You spoke earlier about people coming back and using Williams Den as their garden. One of the things that our audience will be quite interested in is understanding how do you do that? How do you how do you encourage those repeat visits and you get people to come back time and time again? Sometimes visitor attractions will put on different shows or put in a new ride. You know, how do you kind of get people coming back and how do you keep them engaged? From the very beginning, we knew from where we'd been around the world or in, you know, in Europe, in the UK, that things have moved on a bit since when we were going to, I don't even know how often I went to a visitor attraction when I was in my um, early teens, I doubt, doubtful, very often, probably went to the beach. But when we traveled around the world, what we realized was the best places that we saw as parents of a four-year-old or a five-year-old then um, was quality was key. The quality of the food offer, the quality of the hot drinks offer, the quality of the surroundings, whether it was clean, immaculately clean, a bit grotty, a bit greasy. For us, that's what we felt would certainly endear the grown-ups to us. And 
It's quite tough. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of um, indoor play barns. I never was. I couldn't stand the noise. I couldn't stand. They always looked sticky, smelt revolting, um, sweaty. You know, everything I hated about going out with with my child and meeting up with friends. And, and so for us, it was really, really important that what we did was offer decent cups of coffee in decent china that was clean from a waiter who had clean fingernails and a nice uniform and was tidy and looked like they wanted to be there. So all of that was part of how are we going to get people to come here and love it so much that they will then come again. Yeah, and it's all about you know the, the customer journey as well, making making life easy, as Tor says, and um, looking at things not just through children's eyes but through parents' eyes to make sure the parents had as much fun as the children, and you know, and a level of comfort as well, a sort of le- an assurance that the loos are going to work or the loos are immaculate. The the very small details we thought about them, didn't we, before we opened? Yes, and it's that it's that sort of is a another expression that you probably would have heard of but it's the sort of to our aim was always to surprise and and delight so when people came they were actually surprised by how good or how different it was and they were delighted with everything that they found and saw and even down to the to the loos that we did which we have these quite different loos we have some unisex loos but we have doubles within the each individual loo so a mum can take a son or a uh, a dad can take a daughter uh, so there's no there's no issues with hovering outside worrying if they're worried if they're going to be you know, meet somebody that I want them to meet inside. So we, we try to think about everything all the way through and make it a, a really positive, good experience. And you can get your pushchair in the loo if yeah. you want. You can <laughs> buggy. I insisted on it, taking a double buggy into the loos so I could work out if you're a parent or a grandparent taking two children into the loos, how on earth would you do it? And you'd go into one of our four family loos and you could get them both in there. There were two loos in there. They could wash their hands, dry their hands, the whole caboodle. And what we found with our loos is we never have a queue, ever. Yeah, There's never having, a queue. having enough loos, yeah. But again, you go. You, you asked about how you know getting people to come back, and you know it's all mm. it's all about added value at peak times as well. So whether it's half terms and holidays, we try to do you know a lot of little extra activities and events, whether it's craft related, whether it's uh, you know filling filling in something and going round the outside and coming back and getting an Easter egg if it's Easter, and you know things like that. All little sort of freebie little bits and pieces going on that ultimately extends the dwell time and makes people think they've got better value for money and also hopefully if they've if they've sp- um, got a bit hot and sweaty they might buy another drink or another ice cream or something like that <laughs> it's all about extra spend isn't it also, uh, sure. we've, got, we've got a team of um headed up by brilliant lucy who is you know the best entertainer in the world she can bring a smile to anyone's face and she just loves kids so but when she's out there um doing an extra activity she will have 30 or 40 or 50 children doing a bunny bop you know to some music that might not necessarily be quite what we envisaged but it works a treat and the kids have a fantastic time as do the parents or grandparents who are joining in she and the team add value to the little ad, added extras that we we put on we don't it doesn't necessarily mean that we bring the circus to town or have to do that to change things up a bit 
Yeah, and and, and again, so that so that um, people can use it as their as their back garden, their backyard. Then we have a membership membership scheme. It, that's all individual prices at the moment, but we realise we need to have some family memberships at a, a discounted rates, and we're revisiting that, learning from that, and about to introduce a new. Uh, a new a new level and some new new uh, new offers imminently and that's friends of the den isn't it so that's your kind of yearly membership correct how does that how does that work the memberships well, at the moment at the moment it's in, the moment it's individual but we as i say we're looking to introduce it for for families of uh, four five six or more uh, which obviously give a give a discounted rate um, or heavily discounted rate and also be an easy an easy to enter direct debit scheme so they just pay one month up front and off they go, and it's just um, no, all very straightforward, all very easy to easy to, to sign up. No big down payments or anything like that, and uh, and they get they get a lot of benefits through the year on their membership, whether it's discounts in the in the shop or the restaurant, or they get priority bookings, or they get uh, invited to certain things that we'll do for our friends at the den. So there's lots of benefits for for, for that as well. Okay, I, um, I've got one question. It's quite a big one. Okay. If you were going to give one piece of advice to someone who wanted to open an adventure attraction, what would that be? Oh. <laughs> well, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> <Stop> you. <laughs> think about your brand. Um, think long and hard about your brand and, and be true to your brand all the way through. If it doesn't fit with your brand, don't do it. Yeah, my tip would be um, actually to be true to yourself and listen to your gut. Your gut tells you an awful lot. There's a lot of people out there who have a lot of ideas and theories and um, experience, supposedly, and listen to you. Listen, you know, trust your own instincts is is key because I I think often I've wavered when actually I should have just gone along with what I thought in the first place because you know your business better than anybody else and you know your vision you understand where you want to start and where you want to go to so trust your own instincts definitely I think that's very very good advice tool one last question as we've come to the end of our podcast interview what's next for Williams Den what does the future hold we're uh, we're very excited about the future, really. We're, we've still got we've still got a lot to do, even though when two years old, we're still learning. I think the first year was a was a steep learning curve. The second year is all about been fine tuning the model and the engine. If you I often compare it to a, to an engine and finely tuning it, uh, and I think you know year, years two and three are, are very important for us as we as we continue on our steep learning curve and growth curve and, and visitor number curve. <laughs> But uh, who knows? We are we are thinking somewhere in a distance about uh, the possibility of another Williams Den, and um, you never know. That is that is the ultimate vision. That is exciting expansion plans. <laughs> yes, <laughs> scary, but um, you know maybe yeah, absolutely. Why not? Why not? Indeed. Thank you, Tor and Christian. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've loved speaking to you. Thank you, Kevin. Oh, it's been, it's yeah. been a great. Thank, Thank you very you. much. It's been a pleasure. You can find links and notes from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast, or search Skip the Queue on iTunes and Spotify to subscribe. Please remember to leave a rating. It helps other people find us. This podcast was brought to you by Rubber Cheese, an award-winning digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for visitor attractions. Find out how we can create a better experience for you and your guests 
at rubbercheese.com.